Amen. I want to speak today, uh, I'm going to be in 2 Thessalonians, so if you have your Bible, please go to 2 Thessalonians. Uh, I won't start there, I'm going to have a couple different places that I go, a couple different scriptures, but 2 Thessalonians is where I will mostly be, and you can go to chapter number 2. But I want to speak today on this subject on love for the truth, a love for the truth. Uh, now, if you have your iPads or any type of device, you can go into the church app, our church app. You can click on more and then you can click on sermon notes. Go to our church app, click on more and click on sermon notes. And then the notes will be found there. Okay, the notes will be found there. And we keep our notes in that section. So you can go back at any time and look at the notes from any Bible class here of late, of recent, uh, and go back and look at those uh, sermon notes. Uh, so love for the truth. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 23, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. This verse teaches you and I to exert whatever effort is necessary to obtain truth. And having obtained it, do not give it up no matter what the cost. I'm going to say that one more time. This verse teaches you and I to exert whatever effort is necessary to obtain truth. And having obtained it, do not give it up no matter what the cost. Our young people are getting ready to go back into school, starting at whatever age, all the way through college. And it is important for them to know the truth. Truth is not being spoken in schools, no matter if they're in a Christian school or not. There may be a form of truth or a form of godliness, but we cannot deny the power thereof. The scripture says, from such, turn away. So it's important for you and I to understand, well, what is truth? And once we have the truth, we are to hold on to it and not lose it. And we cannot think for one moment as long as we have breath in our lungs, that it cannot be lost or we will not fade away from it. Because there are many people that we have come in contact with, those that have been a part of this church and many others that we know that have known the truth, but they have stepped away from the truth. And I would guarantee you that the moment they receive truth, they would tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no way they are leaving this gospel truth but yet they are not here so therefore we cannot think for one moment that we have come so far or done so much that we would never lose this gospel truth matter of fact if I can just take it a little bit further if John the Baptist can come to a point in his life where he thought and second guess who Jesus was does anybody know what I'm talking about here John the Baptist came to a point in his life where he second guessed, is he the one or should we look for another? If John the Baptist, remember, he's the one that pointed and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He pointed to Jesus and even pointed Jesus out to everyone else. Baptize Jesus. 
But yet he came to a point in his life. Why? Because he was at a point of death. He was at a point of chaos or uncertainty. And see, it's in those times when we're up against the toughest trials, that's when our faith is tested the most. When we're up against the toughest trials in our life, that's when we have to know the truth and we cannot step away from it. It's easy to shout amen inside the four walls. It's easy to lift our hands and shout hallelujah when we're surrounded by a bunch of believers. But when you're out there all by yourself, when you're in the schoolyard all by yourself and everybody else is cussing, everybody else is lying, everybody else is cheating, everybody else is doing everything anti-Christ, what are we going to do? Are we going to stand for truth? Are we going to stand for holiness? Or are we going to get sucked into the things of this world? So that's why the scripture says in Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Throughout history, many people have paid supreme prices for truth. Many Old Testament prophets were imprisoned, tortured, and even slain because they stood for the truth. All but one of Jesus' apostles were killed for preaching the true gospel. And surely the greatest example of one who paid the price for truth is Jesus Christ himself. Some people do not even care enough to study, to learn the truth. In America, spiritual truth is easily available. It is simply found in the Bible, which is God's word. The Bible says in John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is found in nearly every home and can be purchased in every city. But many people are not willing to study the Bible, to learn the truth. Other people may know the truth, but are afraid to take a stand. That's why I'm encouraging every home throughout this time of prayer and fasting that you take at least one day a week and talk about Jesus. Take one day a week, gather the family together and talk about Jesus. Well, pastor, I'm all by myself. Gather that family together too, you, yourself, and I. You gather all three of you together and please come out with one God. Unlike faithful men and women in the Bible, many people will fail to stand for the truth if someone just makes fun of them even a little bit. Second Thessalonians speaks of what happens to those that do not have a love for truth. Let me give a little bit of context of why the second letter was written to Thessalonica. Effective communication is difficult. Often the message sent is not the message received in the home or even in the church. Even when clearly stated or written, words can be misinterpreted and misunderstood, especially when filtered through prejustice or preconceptions. Paul faced this problem with the Thessalonians. He had written them earlier to help them grow in their faith comforting and encouraging them by affirming the reality of a Christ's return. Just a few months later, however, word came from Thessalonica that some had misunderstood Paul's teaching about the second coming. His announcement that Jesus could come at any moment had caused some to stop working and just wait. So let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, starting at verse number 10. The Bible says, for even when we were with you, this is Paul speaking, saying this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 
For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that the that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So Paul is giving clear instructions here that we must work in order to eat. That you shouldn't be bouncing around from house to house eating food off of everybody else's table when you're clearly able to work yourself. He says if you don't work then you shouldn't be eating then. So it is important that a man works. It is important that a man works. It is important that people that are able to work, work so that you are able to provide for yourself and not just lean on other people. And then he goes a step further. He says, not only are you not working, but you're also a busybody. So not only are you not working, not providing for yourself, not putting food on your table, but you're a busybody. You're working all right, but you're just working the mouth. That's the only thing that's working. You're quick to pick up the phone and talk about everything that you don't like. You pick the text message. You pick to go on social media and just talk about certain things. We see those things all the time. If you, if you want to know what somebody's doing, just look at their social media page. They'll tell you when they go into the bathroom. They'll tell you when they go into the grocery store. They'll tell you when they're mad. They'll tell you when they're happy. They'll tell you when they're stressed. They'll tell you everything about their life. Just through social media. I'm telling you, saints of God, we should not be like that. If you're going to vent to anybody, please vent up. Vent to Jesus. He's the only one that can fix the problem anyway. I don't know why we try to take time to blast things on social media, all, all just to try to get some likes and some comments from people that we hope will like our comment. And then we got the nerve to get mad at people if they dislike our comment or they want to post negative things. We go through, well, we, do, we just block them. I don't, I, I, what you, I don't know why you said that. Don't be putting your business out there then. Don't be a busybody. Amen? Amen? So the scripture's letting us know not only should we work, but we shouldn't be a busybody. Shouldn't be talking about everybody and talking about folks and things of that nature. So Paul is putting great emphasis on this because he's dealing with people that are now doing this because they are waiting or anticipating the coming of the Lord, but they're not doing anything right now. Now we know better than that. We know we ought to live every single day as if Jesus is coming today. But we ought to plan as if he's coming 50 years from now. It is important. It is important. Amen. We, uh, we, we encourage our, our people to work. We encourage our people to have jobs and search for careers and have opportunities for growth. Let God open up doors and allow him to make ways for you. It's important to do those things. We don't just sit around here and just say, okay, Jesus, when you're coming, I'm just waiting on you, Lord. I know you're a soon coming king, so I'm going to just sit here and wait. But we don't work. We don't instruct. We don't teach. We don't try to help the next generation. Not only are we hurting ourselves, but we're hurting the next generation. When we do not do those things. Amen. That's right. You know, that, that, that's why sometimes the atheists or people uh, that have issues with people that claim to be believers have issues with believers. You know, people in the world oftentimes, you know, they, they try to save Mother Earth. 
Amen. They try to save Mother Earth and they try to do a lot of things to preserve. And they're always talking about the next generation. Now, their thinking, their logic behind that is not wrong. We should be thinking about our next generation at all times. But yet, oftentimes we think, and I kind of was raised this way, well, who cares about Mother Earth when it's going to be destroyed anyway? Who cares if I just throw trash on the ground? Who cares about the pollution? This, this Earth is going to pass away anyway. See, we've got to be careful with that type of thinking. Amen? No, we ought to live holy and circumspectly unto the Lord as if he's coming now, but we got a plan for our future. We got to hope our children and our children's children have a better future than even what we have. Paul was dealing with these type of people that were doing nothing, just waiting on the Lord. All because he said that the Lord is coming quickly. And yes, the Lord is coming quickly. That's why we must be ready for his coming. So Paul is, is seeing much of this. And we see this here as we go in verse number 13. He says, but you, brethren, don't be weary. Be not weary in well-doing. So he is admonishing the people to continue to do what you're doing well. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, what does he say? Note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Adding fuel to this fire was the continued persecution of the church. Many felt that indeed this must be the day of the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter two, starting at verse number one. When you have that, say amen. It says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first some ought to make up in their mind i'm not going to be a part of that number i'm not going to be a part of the falling away amen i'm not going to be a part of the falling away the scripture says there's going to be a falling away but are you going to be a part of that falling away amen somebody's got to have a determination in their mind that i'm not going to be numbered with them I'm not going to be in that number, but I'm going to be numbered with the saints. I'm going to be numbered with the believers. Why? Because we come over here to stay until we die. This is it. When once I found out what truth was, this is it. I'm not going anywhere else and I'm not allowing anybody else to pull me away from what I know is right. Because I want to help everyone here today that there is going to be such a deceptive spirit that sweeps through our world. I'm talking about a spirit that's been so strong we haven't seen it before. All right? A spirit that's so strong that's going to come through and try to deceive many of us. But we have to be grounded and know this is the way. This is the truth. You cannot have one thought of maybe. That's what the serpent said to Eve. Has God said, can I get a maybe in there? Did he say you, you cannot eat? Notice how he said you cannot eat. God said you can't, you can't eat of all these trees, right? She said, oh, no, we can eat anything we want. We just can't eat of that one. Neither can we touch it. 
lest we die. Oh, no, you're not going to die. God knows you're going to be like a God. You're going to be a God knowing both good and evil. So we must understand and know that there cannot be a maybe. You have to know who you are and what you believe and say, no, this is it. No matter who talks about you, no matter who says anything about you. Now, here's the thing. Does every individual in here know that for a fact? From the youngest to the eldest, does everyone in here have a sincere desire? There is no maybe in what I believe. There is no maybe in what I believe. Can we look at every child? Can you look at every person in your home and say there is no maybe in what they believe? Amen. Can we look at every single young person on the first couple rows and say there's no maybe in what they believe? Can we look at ourselves and say there's no maybe in that? Because if not, that's what we need to work on. That's what we need to make sure we remove the maybe and they can stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when you are in love with something, when you love the truth, there's no maybe in that. Matter of fact, when I love my wife, there's no cheating on her. See, too many of us are cheating on God. We can't cheat on God. God has never fornicated against us. He's never cheated on us. I don't plan on cheating on him. But the only way we can do that is if there's a mate. Ah. Enemy says, uh-huh, I got a maybe. I, I, I got a, they're thinking. They're questioning. There's a question mark there. And he'll work that question mark. He'll work until he can't work it anymore. Amen? But we have to love the truth so much that we love Genesis to Revelations. All right? We love it all. Don't be fooled by speakers or preachers that take one or two verses of the Bible and make it sound good. And now all of a sudden we're questioning other truths that we know. I'm going to talk to you in here because I'm telling you. We must know it. We must believe it. And we must hold on to it. But we have to do it for ourselves. That's why Proverbs 23, 23 said what? And sell it not. By the truth, I'm not selling out. I'm not selling out. I'm not selling out for anything. For nothing. There's not a boy that can get me to sell out. There's not a girl that can get me to sell out. My wife cannot get me to sell out. You hear me? There's no one that can get me to sell out. And so that is important, especially as we go back into the school systems for all of our young people. Somebody say amen. amen. So here we are here where Jesus, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 is emphasizing, starting, let's go to verse number 3. It says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there be except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition perdition means utter destruction perdition also means the destruction which consists of eternal misery in hell 
It says, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Who's that man of sin? The Antichrist. That man of sin is the Antichrist be revealed. And it says in verse number four, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Satan has been trying to exalt himself from the beginning. That's why the prophet Isaiah spoke of this in chapter number 14. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, 13, 14, for thou hast said in thine heart, speaking of Satan himself, Lucifer, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. First Corinthians even speaks of this chapter number eight, verses five and six. It says, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But look at what verse number six says. It says, but to us, there is but one God, the father of whom are all things and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we by him. Verse number five, picking that back up in Second Thessalonians. It says, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who know who uh, yeah who know letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him, verse number nine, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not, somebody say the love, the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians two verses 10 through 12 says that those who do not love the truth will perish because they will believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But for those who love the truth enough to study diligently and learn it, Jesus said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So it's important to ask this question, how much do we love the truth? For the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Or in other words, they love the truth. When you love the truth, when you love God, all things work together for the good. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Why is that so important? Because if we don't love true, we don't love truth, don't love God, 
we can easily be pulled away. The scripture says all things work together for the good. To them that love God, though, you got to love truth. Because if you don't love truth, when things don't go well, that's when truth can slip away. When things don't go our way, that's when truth can slip away. But see, God works all things out, no matter if it's good, bad, or ugly. He works all things out for the good. But it's for them that love God. To them that love truth. Amen. It's not if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. No, uh-uh. If whatever I'm going through, it must be for something because God loves me and I love truth and I love God. So it's got to work out for my good. I may not see it now. I may not feel it now. But when I love truth, everything's going to be all right. You see how important it is to love truth? Because when you love truth, even when the bad happens, even when the difficult happens, you're still going to stick with God. You're still going to stick with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's truth. And because he's true. So it doesn't matter if I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley low. I'm still going to stick with truth. Because I know if I continue to journey on, if I continue to continue on, that God's going to bring me to an expected end. And his expected end is always greater than my expected end. (laughs) Amen? Amen. But we've got to love truth. Amen? So when we're being challenged by certain things, when we're being challenged in certain ways, we got to go back to truth. We got to go back to the love of God. See, when I'm being challenged or even when I'm being uh, or when I was challenged in my most difficult time, I had to fall back in love with truth. Mm -hmm. When I'm when I was in my lowest point, when I was in my dark place, when I didn't want to talk to anybody, when I didn't want to be around anybody. Has anybody been there before? When I didn't want to go those places, when I didn't want to do certain things, I had to fall back in love with truth. I had to make sure my love for God was in the right place. Because once my alignment got back right, then I was back right. But see, it's because I fell out of love with truth. See, see, many of us would think, there's no way. I didn't fall out of love with him. We got to be careful with that. We got to be careful with that. Amen. In our actions, in our ways, in our deeds, the things that we say. We got to be careful with that. Because I've got to be in alignment with God. That's why I always say, if God be for me. Who can be against me? But the scripture says of God before me, that means he's right here out in front. I'm allowing him to lead the way. I'm allowing him to direct my path. He's a light unto my 